Hey everyone, welcome to the Advocate Like a Mother podcast. I'm Michelle. I'm Ashley. We are here to educate, empower, and inspire you to be the best advocate for your child. We are so excited. This is our first episode. We're so glad that you guys have joined us. We have some amazing guests lined up for this season. Uh, this is honestly is the last place that I thought I would be sitting in front of a microphone sharing my story. Um, honestly, after having Eli, I found my voice and I'm so excited to talk to other parents and hear their stories and help other moms find their voice. Today we're discussing American Sign Language with Signing Time creator and host Rachel Coleman. I met Rachel um, about a year ago uh, when Eli had the opportunity to be on Signing Time. Uh, Rachel and I bonded over the band 21 Pilots and Tattoos. <laughs> um, I'm so excited for you guys to hear from her. She's an amazing advocate for her daughters, and she's just an all-around awesome person. Stick around. I'm so excited about today's episode. We're going to be discussing American Sign Language and signing time. Uh, here's a fact. 92% of children who are deaf are born to hearing parents. I did not know that before Me last either. night. It's interesting. Wow. Um, when my girls were little, we actually loved watching signing time um, when it was on PBS. It was so fun just uh, being able for my girls to be able to communicate to me before they had words. You know, they learned more and milk and all those uh, signs. What know, a great signs. way to ease the frustration. Because yes. uh, I feel like that's where a lot of the frustration comes yes. is not being able to communicate your needs to your right. parents. And it's so much easier when they can tell you that they want more, that they want milk, right. or that they have to go to the bathroom. It's just so it's amazing. so great. Yeah. Yes. And actually, like from watching Signing Time, I started to really love sign language and I ended up taking um, a community college class mm-hmm. and um, about a year before Eli was born. Uh, so it was kind of a nice little little setup there. Yes. But, uh, so when Eli was born, uh, we were told he was deaf. Okay. Uh, he failed his first seven or eight hearing tests. Seven or eight? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. And he had unexplained hearing loss. Mm-hmm. And so his ENT uh, said, well, we need to put in tubes because right. he probably has fluid in there. And he actually came out mid-surgery and said, there's no fluid. And we were like, well, what? Oh my goodness. And Just so, a surgery that wasn't even necessary. He was actually, it was a twofer. He was okay. actually getting another surgery on his private parts. Okay. So go into that one too much, but, (laughs) (laughs) okay. Um, but yeah, it was kind of interesting. I was like, okay, so then what is it? So he had, I think two more hearing tests after that, that Uh he failed and then passed his ninth or eighth. And wow. And so, but in the meantime, you know, we all learned ASL. How amazing. And, um, my 16 year old actually fell in love with the language and she wants to do it somehow, like either be an interpreter or something. And one thing that would be so cool, she wants to um, interpret at concerts. I'm oh, like, what a cool yes, job girl. That I would be. love it. I know a little ASL because uh, my grandfather's wife was deaf. So I learned a little bit from her. Ryder did also not pass his first hearing screening, really? but we also, we got through that and he passed it fine. But I would love to learn more because I feel like there's just so many people that need it. And with Harper, it has oh, really yeah. made a difference more yeah. and just even all done, even giving her that power right. to know that you can see that you're all done and it's okay, but just communicate that to us. Right. So we just know, cause I don't always just want to assume. Yeah. 
Okay, well, let's get to our guest. Our guest today she has uh, created a way to bring American Sign Language into homes across America uh, so children and their parents can have access to easily learn ASL. In 2008, she was nominated for an Emmy for Outstanding Performer in a Children's Series, and she recently became the Executive Director of the American Society for Deaf Children. Uh, we're going to hear from her right after a word from our sponsor. When she's not hosting Advocate Like a Mother podcast, Michelle Sullivan also owns Littlest Warrior Apparel. Littlest Warrior was inspired by her son, Eli. Eli has had several procedures, including open heart surgery during his first year of life. Eli also happens to have Down syndrome. After his heart surgery, she was looking to connect with other moms who have kids with special needs, and she thought t-shirts would be a fun way to interact. She started designing tees, and Littlest Warrior was born and quickly grew. She loves that her tees are conversation starters, and that's a great way to spread awareness. Shop now and use your voice with Littlest Warrior Apparel at littlestwarrior.com. Don't forget to grab your Advocate Like a Mother tea and use the promo code ADVOCATE at checkout for a 10% discount today. Thanks for shopping. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for joining us today. Can you please tell us a little bit about Leah and how you received her diagnosis? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for having me. Um, so Leah... We didn't know that she was deaf until she was over a year old, wow. actually. Wow. Yeah. And um, Leah was born in 1996. She was born in December and uh, in Salt Lake City, Utah. In January of 97, so the next month, they began testing every newborn's oh hearing. Oh, my goodness. So she just missed <laughs> it. Oh, my goodness. Just missed the cutoff. And we didn't know. You know right. She was born in December. Of and, course. And, of course, a year later when we found out, then everybody was saying, well, didn't you have a test? Didn't she, wasn't she tested in the hospital? I'm like, I don't – I was busy. I, you know, I had right. a lot going on. Yes. Giving birth um, to a child. <laughs> I didn't know, couldn't remember. So, but um, did a little bit of research and finally contacted the hospital. And a nurse said, "Okay, uh, um, Mrs. Coleman, I, I, this is kind of hard for me to tell you, but uh, we started testing every child in January of 1997, and Leah was born in December of 1996." And I said, "It's okay, you know, that's that's just what happened." Um, but so, so she, we think she was born deaf. Okay. Um, we won't ever really know, but we believe she was, and. Uh, you know, took her to her well baby visits and things, and she was not developing language. Um, no mama, no dada, no baba, nothing like that. Lots of high-pitched squeals, and um, and she was quirky. Like, she would do funny things. Um, I'd be at the grocery store, and people come up and see cute, fat babies, and they say, hi, you know, in their face. And she would look right back at them and mimic their expression and their mouth perfectly, oh, but wow. no sound or air out she would mouth the word hi wow. she would raise her eyebrows smile and mouth hi but with no air and no sound wow. that's the first thing I noticed and I'd put her in the car seat and I'd sit with her and I would say Leah say hi say hi and she'd look right back at me mimic my expression eyebrows raised big big open mouth and mouth the word hi to me and I just thought oh, that's really interesting. So fast forward a little bit, her well baby visit, her one-year-old visit, um, we're pretty much done, you know, and the doctor, as we're leaving, he says, Rachel, Rachel, how is her, you know, how, how is her, how are her words? And I, I was kind of embarrassed because this is where I felt like a failure as a mother, oh. you know, she wasn't saying anything. And, um, I said, you know, she, she doesn't say anything. And he had said, well, how's her vision? I said, it's great. Um, and he said, well, if she doesn't start talking by 15 months, we'll look into it. So I thought, he's not concerned. 
I'm not concerned. I did tell him about the high incident and he, he did it. He tried it with her, Leah, hi. And she looked back and mouth high. It was later that week. I'm, I was in a band. This is like I said, 1997. And I was, I fronted a band and played acoustic and electric guitar and wrote the songs. And I was at band practice for maybe four or five hours. My mom had Leah and I came home and walked in. I said, I'm here. And my mom said, don't, don't let Leah see you. And I was like, what? She was come in, but don't let Leah see you. And so I'm at my mom's house and I knew, you know, if your mom says that, you know, something's up. Right. So I come in behind Leah and she goes, you know, call her name. And my mom was like not making eye contact with me because she didn't want to cue Leah to look around. Right. And so I said, Leah, you know, I'm gone four hours. Leah, nothing mm-hmm. doesn't turn around. Leah, absolutely no response. And so that really um, began our journey. I got her back to the doctor really quickly. And I said, she's not hearing anything. And they checked her ears, her tympanogram and said, she has fluid in her ears. And everybody's like, yay, she has fluid in her ears. And uh, let's deal with that. Put her on antibiotics for, you know, 14 days and came back and she didn't have fluid in her ears and she still wasn't hearing anything. It took months to actually get a diagnosis. Um, we got the diagnosis around 14 months of age and um, they said she was severe to profoundly deaf. And as a musician and in a family of musicians, I just, I couldn't imagine anything worse. I just thought I I can't do this anymore. I can't do music. How can I spend my life focused on and creating something that my child can't access at all? Mm. And so, you know, we go through different phases of mourning and, right. and we make stuff up. Right. You know, we make stuff up. We, I thought there's no space for music anymore. I had no idea what it meant to be deaf or what it would look like in our lives. Um, but that was, you know, that's been something I've learned is that in those moments where you get the diagnosis, you make things up and then we often create self-fulfilling prophecies mm-hmm. and we live like it's true. Right. It's, right. You know, and it just, you can't, it's just in a minute, it's in that minute of crisis or that minute of upset. Um, it happens. So I put away my guitars. I said, I'm not mm-hmm. a musician. I'm not a singer. I'm not a songwriter. Um, and we really focused on American sign language for, for four years. Four I didn't years. do all. Yeah. Wow. And That's so incredible. where did you go? Did you go to a community college class? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so there was very little internet in 1997. <laughs> right. Like there just wasn't the resources. It's crazy. People, you can't imagine. There's no Facebook. There's no Google, no support networks. Right. And there was internet. I did find one site that had a dictionary, just word by word, and we would look at that. Um, I got as many books as I could. It's very difficult to learn American Sign Language from books. Right. Because it's three-dimensional. You can't that on a page there's arrows and everything but it's still flat and then um we signed up for a community uh not even community college a community education class at our local high school and my siblings i have a family you know there's nine kids in my family it's my youngest siblings we're still in high school and they all switched from spanish to american sign language in their as their second languages and everybody really jumped on board um but yeah i just took a community ed class and I'd heard from, you know, we, we went to the audiologist and went, started getting her hearing aids and things like that. And I kept hearing from people that, hey, there are people who will come to your house who will teach you and help you. Like, people will come teach you sign language. I'm like, who? Who are these people? And literally got out my phone book in 1997. <laughs> right? The white pages. And yes. I started 
and I'm looking up deaf and I find there's a deaf center in, there's a center for the deaf in Utah. And I thought, well, I don't want to go. Like, I don't know sign language. What if no one can talk to me? It just, you know, and I'm a fairly bright woman, but I just, it was so confronting right? Um, to think about trying to cross that barrier and communicate with the deaf community or insert myself or show up. I found the school for the deaf, the Utah school for the deaf. And I thought, well, she's not going to go to school until she's five. And I didn't call them. I didn't call the school for the deaf. I, I could have now. I know that I, I could call them and say, I have a baby who's deaf and I don't know what to do. And they right. would have told me. Um, but I felt very alone and very isolated and, and just tried to figure, figure it out. Um, Finally, we had a friend who was in med school and he came over to the house. He had a baby as well, Leah's age. And he just said, I don't want to bug you guys. I know you're dealing with stuff, but um, here's a card for this organization that provides early intervention services. And I just started crying. Mm-hmm. And I said, the people, these are the, these are the people, these are the people. Right. And that's how I found early intervention. That's um, how you find your people yeah. is just that one little help. And mm-hmm. it's just amazing. And, and he thought of bugging us, you know, he's yeah. like, I know, you know, it's hard. I don't want to bug you. I'm sure oh, you already gosh. know this now. No, you know, <laughs> all these years later, Leah's 21 now. And I think, I don't even know if that story is true. For all I know, people, audiologists and the pediatrician and the ENT, for all I know, they all handed me information about early intervention. <laughs> it's really possible right. that I never was at a place to, to recognize it for what it was or make that phone call or deal with it with all the other things we deal with right. with a diagnosis. It's like so, tunnel, tunnel vision when you is. get that diagnosis. Like you can't really see think much. of anything yeah. else. And you're just like, I'm already so in it with this and I have to call these other people and all these extra doctors and specialists yeah. and there's oh, just so much information. Every, two weeks of waiting for every appointment. Yes. And I learned very quickly the secret of put me on a waiting list, mm-hmm. like same day waiting list. I'll be there. Put me on. A, and that's how we got into her ENT. I yes. said, I will walk there. You know, right. I, will, I will walk there. I cannot wait another two weeks for this appointment and then two weeks for the results of the test. Right. So that's, you know, you start acquiring these, these, uh, mama skills, you skills. Know, to deal with yes. the rest of your life with, right. with this diagnosis. But one piece, I think it was a real gift and it happened very early on. Um, you know, when we got Leah's diagnosis and the doctor said she has a severe to profound hearing loss, uh, Aaron, my husband and I, we went into our house or our little, our little 500 square foot studio apartment and, um, and cried, you know, and we just sat on the bed and just sobbed. And how could this happen to her? And people are going to feel sorry for us. And I don't want to call all my siblings, like the phone call tree of Mm -hmm. like, here's what's happening, you know, and everyone's waiting for this information and just all the pressure and stress and people are going to look at us and we're going to be signing. There's like, we can't even hide this. It's so (laughs) obvious, you know, (laughs) and we're just crying and we look over and Leah is at the side of our bed and, you know, our cute little curly haired, redhead toddler with blue eyes and freckles and just as pale as pale could be. And she's got her hands on the edge of our bed and she's peering up and she's looking at her parents with the most concern Mm. in her eyes. And like, what happened? You know, parents, what happened? (laughs) Why are you crying and distraught? And I kind of started laughing a little bit. And I thought, you know, if we could tell her what happened, what would we say? 
you're deaf. You've been <laughs> deaf your whole life. And we just found out, you know, and, and it gave me a perspective that ended up really being a gift for the rest of our lives that for her, she'd be like, big deal. Right. I'm fine, guys. Right. I've been this way the whole time. Exactly. And so we took that. We, we actually ran with it and said, what if Leah's right? What if our deaf 14 month old is right? That there is nothing wrong. <laughs> This is how she's always been. And the grownups here need to learn some new things. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. I love that. That's and, such a great truly, perspective. That was a gift from Leah. And it was that day we got the diagnosis. It was like getting knocked upside the head and going, you know, we're saying how sad and her life and she'll never get to. She never heard a story I read. She never heard a song that I sang. Who cares? Okay, let's set that aside and let's take her perspective. She's going yeah, I've been, I've been deaf the whole time and you guys just found out. Right. Catch up folks. You know? Yeah. Like I've been here, mom. I'm not changing. We're doing great. Yes. Right. Like you found out today it's been this way the whole time. Yeah. You know? so that's what we took. And we went, you know what? Let's take Leah's perspective. There's nothing wrong. She's always been deaf. We just got the news flash and we need to do, we need to learn some new things. And that's, that's great. That's, what we've done. And it's all about switching your mindset and being open to learning those new things. Cause sometimes it seems scary to learn new, a uh, new language or terrifying. anything. It's very terrifying as a parent, especially when you've lived your life a certain way for so long, you're like, I don't know. But as you see, you can just grow accustomed to anything and you can right. make your life, whatever you want it to be, as long as you have the right mindset. Cause yes, that diagnosis mm -hmm. is hard, but like you said, she's like, I'm still been here. You guys, like, I'm still the same. I'm I don't know what's different. Like I, <laughs> What's there was no news for her. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm deaf. Yeah, I know. Shocker. Yeah. It wasn't upsetting for her. Right. 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 So what were the steps then that led you to start signing time? Um, you know, it really, part of it goes back to my high school experience. In my high school, we had about eight to 10 deaf students and they would all go to their core classes together. And so often like in English, there would be eight deaf students and an interpreter and, you know, in many of my classes that happened and I would see them and I'm, I would always think, oh my gosh, like, I wish, I wish I knew how to get to know them. Like, I wish I could talk to them. But again, I, I was stopped. I was stopped over and over throughout my life when it came to how do I cross this communication barrier with people who are deaf? And so while I saw them and I knew their names and they probably didn't know my name, um, I never, I never even tried I never did. I never sat down like being willing to put myself out there and, or be embarrassed or have it not work and fail or whatever. I didn't ever do it. So now I have a deaf child and I'm thinking, how many Rachel Coleman's are there out there who won't even try? Right. And now it's my kid. Right. If I could go back to high school, I would do, I just would do it. I would just try because now it's my kid. And her whole life, like I'm imagining all the times I was stopped because someone was deaf and couldn't hear me and I had no way to jump that gap. So that was one piece that was back there was like, how do I write that? How do I, how do I write that thing that I, that the way that I was in high school, how do I help the world jump that communication gap? And, and I didn't really think that I never really thought I could do it with the world. Okay. It was like for me, or for Leah. So fast forward, um, 
Leah's four years old, and we'd also had Lucy by this time. Lucy was born with spina bifida and cerebral palsy. So one in a thousand babies are born profoundly deaf, and one in a thousand babies have spina bifida, and I got one of each, you know? Yeah. Um, Me, too. <laughs> Me too. I don't have a special, like a uh, deaf child, but I do have two special needs kids that are definitely super low percentages, so I feel you. We're the lucky ones. It's, it's crazy. Yes. You know, it's so shocking, especially just, you know, deafness. Doesn't, Leah was the first person I met who was deaf. And I thought, oh, she's on her path. We're learning ASL. She's in preschool. Life is good. I'll just have another baby. This will be easy. <laughs> Little did I know the deaf one was the easy one. Yes. Like, <laughs> Kate, right? So and I really thought, maybe it's genetic. Would it be great to have another deaf kid? We're good at this. Ha. Haha. Ha. So, you know, we have Lucy and um, Lucy is a wheelchair user. And, you know, we were going through all kinds of stuff. We were told she would never communicate that she had severe mental disabilities. And so mostly, you know, Lucy was really small. So I would just carry her in a sling everywhere until she was probably five. Like for real, Lucy just went everywhere with me. Um, so I'm dealing with that. Lee is in preschool, ASL, Lucy and her uh, special needs. And just trying to live life and get through life. And um, what happened is Leah was playing soccer at our just community rec center. And she was the only deaf kid. And they're all four years old. So they're they're mostly, they all act like they're deaf, right? You can't, you're not going to coach four-year-olds. Uh, no. They may as well be deaf. But she was the only one who really was deaf out there. I'm out there mom-terpreting, right, for her. Um, and the coach is pairing them up. Uh, to run drills like you do. So at this point, we'd moved to Los Angeles. So in Los Angeles, they run drills at, with four-year-olds <laughs> at soccer. And um, this little boy that had been paired up with Leah, uh, his name is Bowen. And the coach said, Bowen, I want you to be with Leah. And he said, I don't want to be with Leah because she can't talk and she can't mm. understand me. It's heartbreaking. And I was standing there. Yeah. And I didn't. And it's okay, right? It, I mean, at first, it, it hurt my heart. Right. But he said the thing that I hadn't been able to pinpoint. And you can trust kids to do that. That's the great thing. (laughs) And so I'd seen Leah being left out. You know, when she was two and her friends were two, it didn't matter who was deaf or who wasn't. They're two. They're not having intense conversations. They're barely sharing yet. You know, they're doing parallel Totally. Three, it gets a little more interesting. But by four, there's an expectation that there's a little bit of conversation. And so if we were at the playground, um, you know, kids would come up to her and say something and she would turn to me and she would sign, mommy, what did they say? And she would voice it, you know, which sounded like, Bobby, what did they say? And I would, and they would would then look at me, the kid, what, like, what is that? What happened? And they'd kind of back away and not play with her in the Mm -hmm. sandbox or so, so this little boy Bowen said it, he said, I don't want to be with Leah because she can't talk and she can't understand me. And I thought about it. It's like the sea, the little bit of sand that makes a pearl, mm-hmm. you know, like it irritates, it's irritating. And I, and I was kind of fixated on it and just thinking, okay, I don't, she can't even, she can't talk and she can't understand me. And, and then I started to think, I wonder if there's something that I can do that would change Bowen's perspective about Leah. And so I knew he went to a community or a co-op preschool 
locally. And I called that school and said, hi, my name is Rachel Coleman. And no one cared. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, I was wondering if I could come do some sign language with your preschoolers. And they said, sure. Can we pay you? And I said, I am not qualified to receive payment. (laughs) Well, we'd love to pay you anyway. So I show up at Bowen School start doing, you know, story time, brown bear, brown bear, teaching them the signs. And by graduation, the all the preschoolers were signing and singing their graduation song. That's great. Incredible. <laughs> yeah, this is my, this is like my lab. This is my laboratory. This is my test space. And after just a week or two, I were, we're on the soccer field again. I'm out there with Leah and I see, you know, Bowen's car, his family pull up and he jumps out of the car and he comes running down the field and he stops like right in front of Leah, plants his feet and he signs friend, play, mm. ball. So and sweet. I was, I was so excited. <laughs> I mean, not fluent in ASL, right? But three signs right. made the difference. I was like, yes, 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 yes. Three signs, friend, play, ball. Like that took him from she can't talk and and she can't understand me and I don't want to be with her to sprinting down the field right. stopping in front of her and showing off his signs love it and I didn't I still didn't know what it was but I knew I had something I was like okay I can travel wherever we go like wherever <laughs> we move to I will be that mom goes to the local schools the hearing schools and I'll be like hey here's some sign language classes so that when they interact with my deaf kid they can they're not afraid of her and they can connect with Lucy in tow in a sling I got this you know <laughs> right and it's super mom you are the right. definition of super mom totally <laughs> fortunately uh that same week I got a call from one of my sisters Emily and Emily has um, has a son named Alex, and he's Leah's cousin, first cousin, and they were best friends. Alex can hear, Leah's deaf, and we had been next door neighbors. And so Alex had been able to participate in our in every kind of early intervention we had with Leah because he was next, literally in the apartment next door, and he'd just come over. So he was signing before he was signing at ten months, oh which goodness. was just thing to me, right? And we didn't even start signing with Leah till fourteen months. We realize like this is amazing and everyone should do this and it's a really empowering tool for children and a powerful parenting tool. So Emily, my sister, calls me that week and says, "Hey, do you want to make a video for kids?" <laughs> right? Because your sister says that, right? Everyone does. Um, in my family, you know, we have a production background and musical background, so it wasn't that off, but. Uh, she said, "Why don't I want to make a video that teaches music, everything about music, rhythm?" And, and I was like, "Wait, wait, 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 wait! No music. Remember, I'm not a musician, and I'm not a singer, and I'm not a songwriter. I'm not. We're not doing music." And she's like, "Okay." I said, "But I do want to make a video for kids, and it needs to be about sign language." And she said, "Oh my gosh, you're totally right." Yes. And so <laughs> that, that is where signing time started. That's so great. That's amazing to hear that. Yeah. All right. of it came from family and just I know, I love that the empowerment so that comes with the sign language. Well, and, it, you know, we didn't have money. We didn't have investors. We each had a credit card. We each had a Southwest credit card. <laughs> she had moved to Virginia and I was in L.A. And so we would just fly to Utah and do production. And then we'd pay off our credit, go home and pay off our credit cards. And then, we, you know, and that's just how it worked. It took us a year to make the first signing time. The first shots of Alex, he's two years old. Aww. And in the last shots of Alex, he's three. He has turned three. <laughs> Oh my goodness. A full year. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you started, did you 
imagine that it would end up on PBS or did you just oh, think no. <laughs> like what, oh, what? No, no. no 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 people would ask me what's your five-year plan and I would say <laughs> plan on doing this for five years like <laughs> I could not imagine I mean every time we filmed I thought it was the last time we were filming so every funny. time so like when we filmed um signing time like episodes two and three I was like who could possibly want more than three episodes of signing time and then we filmed Signing Time 4, 5, and 6. And I was like, who could possibly want more than six episodes of Signing Time? <laughs> and then same thing, we filmed 13, you know, and 26, and on and on. And, and I think, I mean, it took me more than a decade. It probably took me definitely 10 years to realize, like, oh, this is what I'm going to be when I grow up. <laughs> I, I am Rachel Coleman from Signing Time. Yes. <laughs> I mean, really, though, it was 10 years of, like, now this is just something we do every once in a while. We make some videos. Um, I didn't know. I really didn't know that was going to be what I was known for, and uh, like that I would grow up to be Rachel Coleman from Signing Time. I didn't know that so for funny. a decade, probably. So originally, when you were making the videos, where were you selling them? Um, when we very, <laughs> when we, Emily and I made the first video, I said, "Well, why don't we make a hundred copies of it?" And they were VHS. Right. Okay. This is <laughs> oh my gosh. They were VHS and we sold them for like eighteen ninety nine, and, and you couldn't get them anywhere else. So people just bought them. But I said, why don't we make a hundred copies and give them away to people who know and love Leah? Cause then I don't have to go to all the preschools and kindergartens right. for the rest of her life. You right, know? Right. She said, that's fine, Rachel, you can make a hundred of them and do that. But I think we should buy a website. And so she bought signingtime.com and we put our one VHS up on signingtime.com. <laughs> and at the time, Amazon had created um, a seller's marketplace and we were able to put it there as well, our one VHS. And the reviews from Amazon started to come in and people were like, we love this. When's number two coming out? When's number three? You know, and, and. It, it was just kind of a crazy thing. And so we actually were contacted by the Today Show and they said, we want to tell your story. Um, so when are you going to go into production again? And so there's a little, little marketing business tip. If the Today <laughs> Show, even if you're never planning on making another one like me every time, when the Today Show says, we want to come tell your story. So when are you going into production? You give them a date. <laughs> and that's, that is why, we, I'm not kidding. It's why we made episode two and three. Because I was great. like, oh, we're filming in, in six months in Utah. <laughs> and they sent, I'm not kidding, they sent people out and they filmed all behind the scenes. And Katie Couric told our story and cried. And, <laughs> and, and but the part of the story that's really amazing is that in that year that we made signing time, you know, at the end of it, we're in the edit bay. I have Lucy in a sling. We'd been told she would never talk and she would never sign. And they, you know, had said she has severe mental delays. We don't believe she's in there. And I thought that just can't be like, it can't be that we have Leah who can do everything except for here. And Lucy who can only hear like Lucy can't walk. She can't crawl. She can't roll over. She can't sit up. She can't talk. She can't sign. Um, her hands were in fists. Her arms were bent. Her head was thrown back. She had no fine motor skills. And we were told cerebral palsy won't improve. Um, and so, but at the end of this process of making signing time and, and dragging Lucy everywhere with me, the show ended, we're watching the final edit and the show ended and Lucy's in my arms and she took her little fist and reached it over and knocked it against her other fist and the sign for more. 
at the end of watching signing time, I'm not even making this up. She <laughs> literally watched signing time and she first time ever signed more, hit her fists together. And I looked at her and my jaw was just on the ground. I said, Lucy, do you want more? And she gave me big eyes Aww. and I'm like, she's in there. She's in there. You know, <laughs> it was through Leah's language, American so sign language that Lucy was able to first express herself and prove her doctors wrong and show that she was in there and she has preferences and it took her so much longer to coordinate everything to get words out. Um, but she signed that was, she was began signing at age two. Um, and she didn't say any words till she was almost four. That is incredible. What an amazing platform you gave her to be able to learn those communication tools. Well, so and I didn't great. even mean to. I mean, this whole that's thing the is best part. Right? <laughs> education for me. I thought signing time is for hearing kids who are going to bump into my deaf kid. Right. right? Cousins. <laughs> that's who I thought it was for. Leah knew sign language. The deaf kids didn't necessarily need signing time, but Alex, her cousin, did. And then I, when this happened with Lucy, I was like, wow. This could make a huge difference for children with other disabilities. Yes. I didn't know that, you guys. I know (laughs) anything to that effect yet. No. The the warmest, most welcoming, loving community around signing time are families who have children with Down syndrome. Yeah. 100%, hands down, across the board. And... uh, I think, and I could be wrong, you, you correct me, but, but like in the world of deafness, when you have a deaf child, there's parents get hooked on, I want my child to speak. I want them to speak. And I always tell them speech is a skill. It's not a language. It's one way to communicate a language. You can write languages, you can speak languages, you can read languages, but don't focus on the skill of speech. You want your child to have a first language. Right. So that's like a huge platform for me. Speech is a skill. They have their whole life to learn from zero to three. They need language. Okay. Right. So in the world of deaf children and 92% of their parents are hearing, many of those parents are like, well, I just want my kid to talk. And I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> you want your child to be a critical thinker and acquire their first language before age three. And it might be a, visu- a visual language. So, right. but in the world of families who have children with Down syndrome, I think that there's, there's so complex. There's a lot of things, you know, there's heart issues, there's all kinds of things at play and families just go, I want to communicate and I will stop at nothing. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not kidding. And that's the, that I have seen as the difference is families who have children with Down syndrome say, we want communication. Give, how are we going to do that? And they grab sign language and it's like, yeah, they may sign, they may never talk. Big deal. At least we're communicating. Right. Communication is key. Yeah. Right. And and it's crazy because with deaf kids, youth communication is key, but there is something about getting hooked on. But if, if they sign, they may never speak. Right. And I, they're deaf. They may never speak. What you really want is communication. So anyway, a lot of people get stuck on the fact that they think that if they teach their kids to sign first, they're never going to communicate and talk. And it's totally been the opposite for myself with my daughter who has severe autism and communication is very hard. But sign language has been something that came a little bit more easy to her than actually saying words and things like that. So sign language is such a great um, bridge to learn communication skills and it's not going to stop your kids from talking because well, like you said, speech is something that you can acquire. And unfortunately, like not everybody acquires that. And that's fine. If we can just learn how to communicate, write your feelings, sign them to me, something so you're not frustrated and we can all be solvers together of any of your issues. 
Exactly. Give your child as many possible ways to communicate yes. as there are yeah. instead of like, no, we're only going to acknowledge this one way. Um, you know, some people will say, well, signing is so easy. They're only, they're going to rely on it. It's like, then give them something easy. Do you know what they're going through? Like try on your child's perspective for heaven's sakes. If it is easy, big deal, but it doesn't mean they're not going to develop speech. Right. It just means this is a really easy way for them to communicate right now. If your child has all their pieces and parts to, to be able to hear and acquire language auditorily and learn to speak, they will. They will and on their they own time. Things, right. Sign. For heaven's right. sakes, give right. them sign. Definitely. So you guys had your website and you're yeah. on Amazon. So what <laughs> led to yeah. being on PBS? Ah, uh, you know, Emily and I, after about seven years, we brought our dad in. So we were stay at home moms. We thought, I still sometimes think I must. I'm like, I'm a stay-at-home mom. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm a work-at-home mom. I'm a work all day, all night at home. Um, but we both were, you know, had our families, and she had another baby, and where our husbands have been businesses, and we're sometimes kind of like taking over our lives, and we're trying to figure out, wait, we did this for our families, and we don't ever see our families, you know, and that's a, a, a mompreneur and is you know business issue you deal right. with is like I don't want to. I want to deal with my own schedule and then you have no boundaries right. and you are running your business day and night. So, um, our dad is, a, he's a composer. He's worked for Capitol records. He's done all kinds of stuff in this business. And so, um, we just said, dad, would you come in and run this so that we can deal with the creative side of it and still be moms, but you can deal with the business side of it. And so he did. And so my dad, our dad actually started that like, okay, let's go bigger. Let's go bigger. And so he had the connections or created those relationships with, um, with public television and our distributor was American public television and got, got brought signing time to public television stations in 2008. That's great. And then how long did it run? Um, so we had our first year, we only had 13 episodes. So they said, you have to have 13. So we only had seven and we, or we had six. And so we knew we had to get it to 13. So we, we invested on our little credit cards and did that at that point. <laughs> We'd make a video and pretty quickly we'd release it and it would pay for the production costs. It was, you know, pretty awesome. And people would say, we want more. And we're like, okay, great. They still want more. So it was, it, we were coming out ahead. Um, so we had 13 of them oh, this for the first year. And they said, PBS said, if you want to stay on, you need 13 more. And so again, I don't know how much business side you want to get, but we took out, it cost us a hundred thousand dollars to make each one. Wow. And so oh we goodness. did $1.3 million dollars wow. to stay on PBS. Ooh. Now PBS wasn't paying us anything. Wow. They didn't pay us anything. Wow. They said, if you deliver the shows, we'll air them. And it's basically marketing for you. But we also, because it was public television, couldn't say, come visit us at signingtime.com because you can't market to children wow. on television. So we couldn't tell people oh you goodness. can buy our stuff That's as, crazy. as one of just the laws. Okay. What so we could 22. say, so Huh? What a catch 22. Yeah, totally. So we could say this show was brought to you by the signing time foundation, which the signing time foundation didn't have any money to make the show. Emily and I took a $1.3 million loan to make wow. 13 episodes of signing time to be able to stay on public television, which we didn't know if 
it was even helping or hindering sales. If everyone can TiVo it, which there was TiVo at the time, right? (laughs) If everyone can TiVo it or they're recording it, they're not buying it. And we can't even tell them it's available. They're just like, Oh, it's a PBS. Yeah. So it was a fascinating thing. And it was a huge gamble. Right. And and no one knew people are like, you're huge. You're on PBS. I'm like, you have no idea what we've done. That's insane. (laughs) I didn't even. Yeah. Wow. That's like, would you and your sister take a $1.3 million loan? I mean, it was terrifying. Wow. And add to that, the more you make of something, the less you sell. Mm. Okay. So when you have one through six, everyone buys one through six. When you have one through 26, everyone buys one through six. Mm. They don't buy 20 through 26 necessarily. And so again, this is, I said, I don't know how much business you want to get into, (laughs) but that is what we did to stay on. And like I said, it was like, these are not selling like the others were selling. Also what happened is season two of signing time is very different from season one because PBS said, you teach too much stuff in 30 minutes. Oh my goodness. In signing time. In, in signing time, we would teach 18 to 30 signs in 30 minutes and have songs to reinforce it. They said, if you are going to deliver a season two, you have got to decrease your content by a third. What? So teach... I'm not, I'm teach six signs instead of 18. Wow. 10 signs instead of 30. And Emily and I were like, this is an integrity issue. Our fan base are going to be disappointed. Like where'd all the signs go? Right. But I again, catch 22. If we want to stay on PBS, we have to do that. And so, so $1.3 million and change our format to meet public television's expectation. And they're telling us we're teaching too much. You're, they, you think about Dora, they really teach, there's three things you're going for. Yeah. There's three pieces. And they said, if you only teach three things, then every child will feel successful. I'm not kidding. These <laughs> conversations happen. I'm so confused. Yeah. And especially these if, comments. And if you could go back and, you know, show them, well, people were learning these 18 signs previously. <laughs> Well, but they said those were intended for home video where people have the opportunity to watch it over and over and over. Mm-hmm. But if a, if a child only catches it for 30 minutes, they can only learn three things wow. well in 30 minutes. And wow. I just was like, have you met my children? Mind blown. Because how are you Wait, to say what? Have you met my disabled children? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. And wow. how are you to say what they can learn in 30 minutes? Nothing. Wow. Right. That's so, so crazy. It was very... It was, it was crazy and difficult for us because like I said, it was, it was hard because we still aren't getting paid. PBS is giving us federal money to do this. We just have a distributor who puts us up on PBS stations and have to look at it as marketing and, and anyway, terrifying stuff. Right. So then during this time when, you know, you're putting out all this money. Was there a win for you guys? Like, were you in the community seeing people coming up to Leah, being able to communicate with her because of the videos? Definitely. I mean, we, I mean, our fan base was growing. People would recognize us. They, you know, kids would see Leah and sign with her. Um, I would see families all the time signing and and I would, do you have a deaf child? Oh no, we use signing time. And it just started to infuse, like just get into the culture, the parenting 
culture, especially in Los Angeles, where all the moms in the know were going to baby signing classes and <laughs> in Utah, where we moved back to Utah to continue doing production things. And, but we watched it spread, you know, we would get a little email with every sale originally. And it was like, Oh, look, mom's neighbor, my mom, my grandma's neighbor bought one, you know, <laughs> Oh, look, our friend in California bought one. And then it started to be like, I don't know anyone in Delaware. Do you know? Mm. I don't know anyone in Wisconsin. Do you? And so we, we watched word of mom. We watched these groups communicate to each other yeah. and this grassroots event occurred where signing time just became the thing. I mean, I'm curious when, you know, Michelle, when you found out you were having a child who had Down syndrome, how soon did you hear about signing time or had you heard about it prior? Yeah. So, so yeah, my girls, when they were little, they watched signing time on PBS. And so so you were familiar with it. Yeah. We were already familiar. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've often wondered, like, especially for families who have children who have deafness, how many times they've said what well, my child is deaf, like how many times it took before someone told them signing time, hmm. you know, or right. we, we're having a child with down syndrome. How many interactions where you said those words, our child has down syndrome happened before someone said, have you heard of signing time? Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm, I would love to know, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. It's, that's a good question, but yeah, we were already super familiar with you. In fact, uh, one of my really good friends, she actually looks like you guys could be twins and she, um, knows sign language. So she was you for Halloween one year. <laughs> How funny. And this is before we had Eli. So <laughs> I always think when people tell me that they post pictures of themselves, the moms as me for Halloween, I think I'm sure when they go trick or treating, people are like, and who are you supposed to be? I, I don't think we've, I don't so think we've hit a tipping point. I'm not sure that we've hit like that critical mass yet, but <laughs> definitely niche, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, funny. So, um, one thing I wanted to talk to you about is, um, you put out this amazing blog post the other day and in it, you talked about, um, Leah's IEP and how you requested full access to her native language, which is ASL. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So we, it was kind of, it was this weird process for Leah's education because, as we were looking at preschools for her to go to, we lived in Los Angeles at the time, and none of the preschools were focused around delivering American Sign Language, delivering the curriculum in American Sign Language to deaf students. It was like, wait a minute. I, I was so baffled we couldn't find... When we sat down for her IEP and they said, well, which school are you going to send her to? Which preschool? They all use total communication. And total communication in theory is fabulous. Like, okay, you've got... Each kid, you, the teacher communicates with each child in the way that child communicates. Well, have you been in a classroom? If you had a child, you know, you have a deaf classroom and three of them use American Sign Language and two of them use Signing Exact English and then one of them is oral. How is a teacher supposed to do that? Right. right? But it's total community. Everything you use, you know, is great. We're going to talk. We're going to sign everything. And I thought, you know, from what I've heard at, at when I talked to schools for the deaf or I, I'm finding out about deaf education, statistically at that time, they would say deaf children graduate from high school with a third grade reading level. That's what happens. Mm-hmm. That's what I was told. Like I said, what does deafness mean for Leah? And early intervention from the state told me it means she will graduate from high school with a third grade reading level. This is early intervention from the state and the state runs the deaf school. So my next question was, well, what, the bleep are you doing wrong? <laughs> right. 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 Uh, because yes. you're telling me that my one-year-old 
and we just discovered his death, that I can hand her to you till she's 18 and you can promise me that she'll graduate and be able to read like an eight-year-old. Wow. This makes no sense to me. I don't know sign language or anything about deafness, but I believe that my love for her and my belief in her, I can produce a better outcome than you statistically are. Right. That's, that's what I was fueled by. Really. It was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but let me look at what you're doing and figure out what you're doing wrong. So I don't do that. Right. Yeah. They've got decades of doing it wrong. Yes. Under their belt. And I just thought, I don't have the luxury of taking my child, putting her on a bus and going, yay, she's going to graduate at 18 and get a regular diploma. Right. So I'm on high alert all the time, watching, looking, what do four-year-olds know that my deaf four-year-old doesn't know? Rhyming. Okay. How do I explain rhyming to a deaf child? All right. So Leah, uh, for hearing people, when a word has the same ending, like A-N-D, like band, B-A-N-D, or hand, H-A-N-D, hearing people get a big thrill. That's how I (laughs) (laughs) What's rhyming? It's amazing. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Fingers, hand, band, and we really like it when things have to say, that's rhyming. That's so funny. But I'm, I was always looking for those holes, things that she wasn't able to just pick up by listening. Right. Incidental language is what it's called, the, just the language they overhear. And a deaf child doesn't have that. And so that is what often disables them, is they have a severe language delay. They don't mm-hmm. have the same amount of information as someone who can hear and just listen to the radio and listen to TV. And while they're watching TV, they hear you talking on the phone about the wedding that's coming up, and they're gathering all this information. Mm-hmm. For deaf children, they gather what is expressly signed to them. Mm-hmm. And mostly by their mothers. Right. You know, face to face, someone sat down and told you something. And if you think about it, if that was what you relied on for information, how limited your information would be. Right. It would be very, very limited. So it would be. Um, I, I feel like I went, oh, no, way <laughs> So for IEP, right, they're telling me we don't offer American Sign Language. I said, well, this is the problem. Right. This is why your your deaf children have third grade reading. <laughs> you don't give them a visual first language. You're trying to teach them English and they can't hear. And and they just couldn't get it. So I just kept saying, you guys, Leah can't hear. She can't acquire English. She doesn't know English. She can't read English. She doesn't write in English. She doesn't know that language. So it's like it's like you gave birth. So just suspend reality for a minute. <laughs> Imagine giving birth to a Korean baby and you're going, what? And they said, look, for this baby to be successful, you have to teach them Korean first. They can learn English later, but you have to teach. They were wired for Korean. What would you do? Learn Korean. (laughs) Would you? Yes. I mean, think, I mean, okay. 120% for my kid. Okay. So that's what we all say, but it's never delivered that way with deafness. I gave birth to a human being whose first language, her native language is not mine. Right. And so most families go, well, we want them to speak English and be like us. So let's get them to English. And you're missing like, no, listen to me. Listen, they can learn English, but first they've got to learn Korean. Right. right. In my example. And this again is like, something I've developed to explain to families how important it is. Everyone says, I would go learn Korean. Everyone says that. But you know how many hearing parents of deaf children don't learn ASL? 
they go, well, we can get hearing aids and implants, cochlear implants, and hopefully they'll learn to speak. But I'm like, just learn Korean in the example, right? right. Like learn American sign language. And then your, your child's bilingual. We all know, nobody ever says there's real danger in having a bilingual child. So I <laughs> sign language for some crazy reason, sign language gets the bad rap. And I say, look, teach your child American sign language as their first language. And like all languages, if your child has a first language, they can use it to learn a second language. And that language can be English and they can learn Spanish and they can learn French and they can learn German. But if they don't, you know, if you're deaf child, you have a deaf child, their first language is visual. So I went into the IEP meeting armed with that and it was lost on them, totally lost on them. And I just said, Leah needs access to her first language in the least restrictive environment. And they were like, okay, sounds great. La la la. Will you put her in a class with a deaf teacher? Awesome. And we picked a class that had a deaf teacher and then they signed everything. And I said, now you said she'll have full access to her visual language, her first language. So do you know what that means. And they're like, yeah, her teacher's the deaf one and it's Jody. And I said, no, that's one signer. She can't pick up incidental language. She can't overhear, if you will, sign language to learn the structure of the language. We need to have two, two signers in the classroom. They were so mad. They were <laughs> so mad. I said, you signed it. She has to have a complete language model and one signer isn't complete. It's the sound of one hand clapping. Right. There's no sound. There's no sound. (laughs) And so they hired a a one-on-one aide who was fluent in American Sign Language to be Leah's one-on-one aide. And I knew having two signers in there would impact Leah and every kid in that class. And so, but school didn't think of it. You know, this was me going, how do I get, I don't know American Sign Language. I am not a language model, an appropriate language model for my child yet. How do I get one? Right. How do I find that? And she's going to go to school every day, Monday through Friday, and not have a complete language model. Why would I send her to school? Right. And I follow that path and go, and that's why she graduates from high school with a third grade reading level, right? Mm. Like, I could see it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They just threw their hands. We don't know. It's a deaf thing. Wow. Deaf kids graduate with, you know. And so that was one thing that we did. Um, that to interrupt the system that existed for deaf children and to do everything we could to try to guarantee, you know, like I said, we, we didn't know it would work, (laughs) but I knew what the school was doing didn't work. And the school knows it doesn't work. They just weren't as motivated to come up with a solution maybe as I was. I'm like, this is not happening. This will not happen on my watch. She is, there's so much more possibility in her than what you see. And, and it's not about deafness. It's about language. Right. The deafness isn't the disability. It's the language delay and the lack of information and communication that is disabling. So what year was this IEP? Was this her kindergarten? This was preschool. And so Leah was four. So it was about two. It was a little before signing time um, happened. So it was about 2000, 2001, kind of around that same time. And so how long did she have uh, the teacher and the aide? So that was one year. It was her um, first year of preschool. And when your child has a disability, they typically go two years. So they go at age three. I didn't know that. Again, Mm -hmm. like when I was trying to find resources, I'm like, she's not going to go to school till kindergarten. Little did I know. But um, that first year in Los Angeles, it was great. And then it just so happened that um, 
Cal State University Northridge started a a charter school for um, it was an inclusive school. So I think two thirds of the children were hearing and a third of the children were deaf. And this started in kindergarten and all of the kids had sign language instruction. So there was always a deaf teacher. There's always multiple people who signed and, and hearing teachers. And so all of the kids had access and it's called a bye-bye school, bilingual, bicultural, and it was called Chime. And so we heard, and this is in Northridge, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. It's an hour drive for us each. Oh, wow. Who cares, right? So <laughs> right. we went and we said, we told them what we had done with preschool. And we said, look, we know, we know she's only four and she has to have one more year of preschool, but would you please test her? Please test her. She will test into third, into a deaf third grade. I promise you, she has so much <laughs> language and information. And they said, we will see what we can do. And they tested her and they said, we, we are going to make an exception. We aren't accepting four-year-olds. This is kindergarten. <laughs> we still accept Leah. Wow. And so the next year she went to this brand new established by CSUN, uh, Chime, bilingual, bicultural charter school. That's so great. That's so Chime is amazing. Yeah. So year one of Chime, we were there. That's so amazing. Wow. What a way yeah. to pave the way for everybody else. Yeah. Gosh, we just, I was like, please, please, like, you don't understand. They, they did understand because they're in deaf education. I said, right. you, like, right. what was, what was amazing is as we looked at different schools, preschools, we drove all over the Los Angeles Valley and we'd go visit the school and the teacher would come up to us. Leah was three and the teacher would sign to us. Oh, what's her name? And I would sign back. Why don't you ask her? And the teacher would look at me and say, no, I signed. And I said, yeah. And they'd look at Leah and say, what's your name? And she would sign, my name is L-E-A-H, first name, last name, C-O-L-E-M-A-N, Leah Coleman. And they, my name sign is Leah. The teachers would about fall over. I mean, just see this little three-year-old, cute as could be, just like busting out That's her awesome. sign language. They'd look at me and say, how old is she? I said, ask her. They're like, no. I said, yeah, she's a two-year-old. She just communicates in ASL. Right. So they said, how old are you? She goes, I'm three years old, but my birthday is December 8th, and I'm going to be four. And they're just like, we want her. Everybody said that. These are teachers of deaf preschoolers wow. who are stunned. Who are that's what's scary, right? They're right. shocked and stunned by Leah's ability to communicate. And I'm thinking, what are they typically seeing? Right. If they all say we want Leah Coleman, what is what are they seeing on a regular basis? That's crazy. And they sure weren't they were not seeing that, actually. I mean, that is what we discovered is, is that the fact what we had been able to accomplish with Leah already by age three was an anomaly in in the world of deaf education with hearing parents. Right. Yeah. What a power what a, force you are. I know. That is just amazing. <laughs> At three years old, she Incredible. can do those things. Yeah. I got to like, tell you, I mean, look, I cried in IEP meetings. I was terrified. I was like, I have no evidence to prove this other right. than I know what you're doing doesn't work. Right. My gut is telling me my instincts. And they were just like, you are dumb. I mean, I oh was... Gosh. I was 21 when I had Leah. So this is me at 24, 25. I didn't have a degree. I'm going up against, you know, administrators going, 
I believe that American Sign Language is the answer and it's what you are missing. You are failing generations of deaf children and no one is being held responsible for that. Wow. No, you just, oh, too bad, they're deaf, third grade reading level. Oh, another class, class of 2002, 2003. So you have failed yeah. generations of deaf children and, and for some reason, people believe it's okay because they're deaf. If you said, I'm sorry, your kid is blonde, they're gonna graduate with a third grade reading level <laughs> no one would stand for it. right or i'm sorry your child is black or your child has brown eyes or fill in the blank with right. anything other than death and pete it would be on the nightly news for sure so you're crazy why would you your child is under five feet tall whatever they would say but yeah. for some reason it's believable how People is it believable? Swap. I mean, oh. it's just mind-blowing to me that these parents would want to believe but, these things because why would you not want to push your children? I mean, there's so many times that doctors and therapists like, oh, your kid's never going to walk. Your kid's never yeah. going to talk. And boom, my kid's the one out there walking. My kid's the one yeah. out there talking. And it's like you can't put that limitation on them because you don't know what they can do until you actually see but them in action. It's not just the school. It is a cultural mindset. Yes. There's agreement, like an agreement reality. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's not just me. It's if I went to my neighbor and said, you know, my kid is deaf and here's how it's going to go. They're going to graduate from, you know, high school with a third grade reading level to be like, oh, that's so sad. They don't go. That doesn't make any sense. Right. They don't even like question they it. Would. They know exactly. So that's what I'm saying. It's not just doctors or it's not just no. the school district. There is a mindset. Right. About deafness, I, I don't know if it comes with anything else really, where people swallow that. And I, what I was just like, Leah, is it, her her potential is infinite. Don't look at my one year old and tell me that in 18 years, all you can promise because she's deaf is that she'll read like a third grader. That's not because she's deaf. Nope. That's because you are doing something wrong. Yep. Right. You are not meeting the needs of deaf individuals. And for whatever, I mean, it, it was so clear to me with Leah going 18 years. That's your promise. Right. I don't like you. I don't trust you. You don't get my kid. <laughs> yes. You're not going to get my kid. You know? <laughs> so awesome. So you recently became the executive director of um, ASDC. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, ASDC is the American Society for Deaf Children. Um, it was established 51 years ago by parents who were raising deaf children to create American Sign Language resources for parents who are raising deaf children. And so uh, last February, I became their executive director. They haven't had an executive director in 10 years. It's been run by a working board. Um, of up to 19 individuals, and most of those individuals um, are deaf. And so it was a real honor to be interviewed and selected to be the person who will create the vision and implement new programs to be the voice of deaf children in our country. Wow, that's great. What an inspiration, yeah. Rachel. Yeah, thank you. So great. Um, so lastly, you know, just in closing, um, what advice would you give to a mom who just got a diagnosis for their child? So any diagnosis? Well, yeah, I mean, or... yeah. So you have, you know, a unique voice to, you know, to deafness, to spina bifida, to cerebral palsy. Yeah. Well, I would say, um, you know, take, take a lesson from the book of Leah. When, um, when I was pregnant with Lucy, 
and uh, I had my ultrasound and they told us she had spina bifida. I, I sat there and cried, you know, Aaron and I just cried and cried and cried. And we just, again, how could this happen? And for us, it's less like, why me? And more, why them? You know, why her? Why, mm. why does she have to deal with this in her life? I can deal with lots of things. I know that, but you know, to be the decision maker on that, you know, we knew very early on that she would have physical disabilities. And through the entire pregnancy, every week, um, our doctor would ask if I was still planning to continue with my pregnancy every mm -hmm. single week. They wow. said, you know, you know, you don't have to do this. You don't have to be a hero. You already have a child with a disability. Um, they told us that I'm not kidding. Every week I would that cry. I was on chills. Yeah, I was on bed rest and once a week I could go to my doctor and she would say, so are you done? Are you done yet? Oh my goodness. Um, you don't have to do this. It's going to ruin you financially. It, you already have a child with a disability. That should, you know, your marriage is at stake. And I just said, I want to be a mom. I want to be a mom. And who's to say what kind of mom of what kind of kids that is? You know, I, if you could have told me Leah was deaf, should I have terminated that pregnancy? Um, you know, I was pregnant at 17 and I had a, a baby girl I placed for adoption. Should I have terminated that pregnancy? You know, and now I have, I would be zero for three, you know? Um, mm -hmm. but in throughout, throughout that process, thinking about Lucy and her life, I, I went back to that day when we were told Leah had a severe to profound, it was severely to profoundly deaf and Leah looking at us going, parents, what is wrong? Why are you mm -hmm. crying? And I, and when we got the diagnosis with Lucy, we went home and cried. And I sat up in bed and I said, this is exactly how it felt when we found out Leah was deaf. And I, you know, just like all the hopes and dreams and all those things. And I thought back to little Leah looking at us and, and imagining what we would even tell her. Well, you're deaf and we just found out. <laughs> and I imagined Lucy. And I thought, you know, what would we say to Lucy? Let's, let's, let's just go for this. Let's just say there's nothing wrong. Lucy has spina bifida, Lucy has cerebral, cerebral palsy, and there's nothing wrong with that. She's always had it, and we would waste two perfectly good lives if we spent our life wishing it was some other way. Mm. You know, like, I could waste my life and her life wishing or resenting, you know, wishing for some different life. And so we made the decision that there was nothing wrong. That's great. She just has spina bifida. She just has cerebral palsy and there's some new stuff for the grownups to learn. And that is how, that is how the Coleman's do it. I love it. So great. It's such a great way to look at it, especially being another special needs mom of two different special yeah. needs. It's just definitely, you always have this plan, I think in your head. And sometimes you just have to, um, change that plan a little bit, right. but they're always going to be them. And that's, that's who they are. And that's why we love them is because they're them. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, there's uh, my favorite quote that's gotten me through so many times, you know, um, it's by a woman named Byron Katie. And she says, when you argue with reality, you lose, mm. but only 100% of the time. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, don't wish things were different. Don't, don't spend your life wishing it was some other way. Embrace Embrace what is and look for the opportunities to solve problems, not just for you and your family, but you may be solving them on a much larger scale. That's great. All right. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, everyone. I wanted to come on and tell you guys about a nonprofit organization called Delivering Fancy. 
Delivering Fancy was started by Katie Rice, an adoptive mama who understands the struggle of all things special needs. Delivering Fancy creates care packages for moms who have a child with special needs. These boxes are packaged with amazing gifts. Some items are generously donated by business owners and companies. The boxes are valued around $150 each. The boxes are chosen for moms who have been nominated by their peers. To nominate a mom or to donate, please visit DeliveringFancy.com. Thank you so much, Rachel, for joining us today and giving us all this amazing information for parents. um, We would like to know how can people find you and watch your show? (laughs) Well, everything I've ever made is available on mysigningtime.com. So www.mysigningtime.com is our on-demand player. And everything is there, including a brand new show that launches November 1st. It's called Rachel and Me. And it's basically circle time with Rachel Coleman. I'm in my signing time stuff. And it's me and three of my biggest little signing time fans. They're ages five to seven. They're also in signing time jackets. And we hang out and teach signs and talk about things and do crafts. And so Rachel and Me launches November 1st. So fun. Awesome. I I seriously can't wait to go watch signing time with Harper. (laughs) So what about social media? Yeah, can people follow you on Instagram or Facebook? Of course, of course. Yeah, so Instagram, um, Twitter, and Facebook. Well, so Instagram and Twitter, it's ST signing time, ST underscore Rachel. People always ask if it's St. Rachel, and I said, if you really knew me, you would never ask. And (laughs) (laughs) on on Facebook, my uh, official page is signing time Rachel, so facebook.com slash signing time Rachel. My blog is rachelcoleman.com, where I share behind the scenes and what it's like to live this unexpected life. Um, you know, getting what getting such unexpected circumstances and being powerful in the face of whatever comes your way. You are actually a saint, though, Rachel. You really they're are. <laughs> they're children. Right? <laughs> Thank you guys so much. And anytime you. you want to have me back, I'm yeah. happy to hang out and chat. Thank you. you know? Thank you so much. All right. Yeah. Have a good night. Okay. okay bye. So what an amazing interview Rachel was. Thank you for introducing me to her because now I feel like I really need to teach both my kids sign language and I've been <laughs> failing in that department because I feel like, like she says, some parents get so stuck on this mentality that like, oh my gosh, my teacher them sign language, they're never going to talk. But like, let's just yeah, disregard so that talking true. fact and let's yeah. just help them communicate because yeah. I'm so tired of being frustrated and trying to communicate with my children. Yeah. It's really hard. And sign language is something that I feel like is easy and even I can learn it too. Right. It's great and then I can communicate with other people yeah Yeah, it's never too late to learn sign language that is for sure no it's not and I'm so thankful that she shared all of her helpful tips and everything I'm gonna go home right now and watch Shining Time legitimately (laughs) is what I want to do for the rest of the night yeah Rachel's amazing talk about advocate like a mother yeah it makes me feel like I need to advocate more because girl her going into that IEP especially I feel like it's not even the olden days but it kind of is the olden days for technology kind of things <laughs> with education it's just amazing how much she came in there and abdicated and yeah. i'm sure even now how much she's changed the dynamics of how they see kids right. because you can't just put that 
bucket on them and say like, oh no, this is how far they're going to go and that's it. Like, because you're, you can't make that call. Like the kid can make that call. It's not on you to say you can only go to a third grade reading level. Like that just doesn't work. Yeah. I'm not satisfied with that. And it makes me sad that parents just think that they just have to agree to that because you need to give your child everything that they need, all the resources to be the most successful person that they can be. Right. And use all of their abilities in the way that they can. Right. Yeah. Rachel is definitely an inspiration. She really is. Thanks so much for listening today. As always, go to advocatelikeamother.org and sign up for our mailing list. Follow us on social media, Advocate Like a Mother. Please subscribe to Advocate Like a Mother and review us on iTunes. Bye, friends. Bye.